from KQED. You're listening to Queued Up. I'm Ryan Levy. It's safe to say immigration has been a big part of Donald Trump's identity as president. He's made it very clear that he wants to crack down on illegal immigration and increase deportations. But what happens after someone is deported? What is their life like the day after they leave the country they've lived in for years? KQED's Farida Javla Romero visited a migrant shelter in Tijuana to hear from recent deportees. And she talked about her visit with California Report magazine host Sasha Coca. Farida, what was the shelter like and what was the feeling when you were there? There were a lot of men kind of just milling around this courtyard. And a lot of them turned out were recent deportees, like they had just been deported that day or the day before. And the feeling I got from them is that many were still in shock, especially people who had lived in the U.S. for a really long time. Um, I was peeking into this room and there was a psychologist there guiding them through a meditation and breathing exercises. And uh, so there was this circle of about a dozen men. And, you know, and they all look like kind of burly, like they work outside, you know, and they're in jeans and T-shirts and they're all laying down the floor in a circle. And she's guiding them through some breathing um, exercises to give them tools to try to bring down their stress. Because they basically lost everything. Yeah. One of the first people I met was Ricardo Padron Navarrete. Ricardo lived in the Bay Area for about 22 years, like half of his life. He has two children. He uh, had some issues with drugs, got a misdemeanor. He is an example of this broader group of people that the Trump administration is uh, arresting and deporting. It's people without violent felonies, but they're still getting caught up in immigration detention and then being deported. From one day to another, you know, I was in Tijuana with no family, with no money, with no job, and with nothing because I didn't even have my birth certificate from here. No, I didn't have an ID. I was nobody. I mean, like... I didn't have no identity. He lived in the Bay Area for a long time, but he decided he didn't want to fight his deportation because he was worried about having to spend the time it would take to fight his case uh, in, in detention. If I wanted to fight for my case, I, want, I had to be in custody, and I don't want to be in jail, you know. It's going to be such a wasting time, you know, to be in custody. And then at the end of the day, they're just going to tell you, you know what, there's nothing you can do about it. Goodbye. So was there anything that showed you that Ricardo felt at all optimistic about his situation? Yeah, you know, I got to be there for dinner at the shelter. And basically it was this big room with long wooden tables. And the men there were filling up plastic plates with beans and rice and tortillas. They were all just, you know, gathered there and saying hi to each other. Um, and Ricardo actually volunteered to say grace. He's basically, you know, giving thanks for the food that they have, the people that made the food. And it just, I had this feeling that they were, you know, taking a moment to be grateful for the things that they do have in their lives. You also met a lot of other people at the shelter, including somebody who was seeking asylum from Guatemala. Yeah, her name is Luna Guzman, and she identifies as transgender. And she told me about some of the threats, the really serious stuff she had to face in Guatemala. Me mandan amenazas en Facebook que me van a matar, que van a matar a mi familia. 
So there she's saying that she was getting death threats uh, to her and her family, and she felt she couldn't go to the police because of corruption. Uh, she actually worked as a volunteer firefighter in her town, but there was a lot of discrimination she just couldn't take. She says people threw water and rocks at her on the street. So is that when she tried to flee and come to the U.S.? Yes. She decided to um, take on a very dangerous trek through Mexico, riding atop cargo trains uh, called La Bestia, with no money, with no food sometimes. And when she finally made it to Tijuana, she walked to the San Isidro port of entry and presented herself to border officials there and asked for asylum. And she basically told them that she wasn't coming to the U.S. to get rich. Uh, she just wanted to live with a little bit more dignity. So what happened to Luna? She was detained at the Otay Mesa detention facility near San Diego for eight months while her case was decided by an immigration judge. And she didn't have an immigration attorney. A friend in detention helped her fill out her asylum application form and at the end, the judge rejected her, her claim. And so she said it felt like the world stopped for her and she burst into tears and that the immigration judge told her that that wasn't going to convince her. Was she held in the men's or the women's detention facility? She was held in the men's and uh, she said she, you know, inmates beat her up while she was there. And there was also some sexual harassment that she had to go through. So, Farida, you cover immigration a lot. What do you think you're going to take away from this experience of visiting people in the migrant shelter in Tijuana? Well, I'd never really spoken to people before the day they were deported or a couple of days after they were deported. And um, I think it just put things in perspective for me about the stress that they're going through, but also what they're leaving behind in the U.S. I mean, most of these people were really parents. A lot of parents who I talked to were really worried about their children left behind. And I think you get a sense of the distance that's now between these family members. Thanks to Farida Javla Romero for her reporting and to Sasha Coca and the whole team at the California Report magazine, where this interview originally aired. At the end of a long news week, and this has been a long news week, there is nothing better than listening to the California Report magazine. They tell beautiful stories about things like immigration, but also things like food and music, stories from all over California. And you can hear them all by subscribing to their podcast. It's the California Report magazine. I'm Ryan Levy. Have a good week.